Chapter Four of Clog Shop Chronicles by John Ackworth. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Giving a man away. When Jimmy Juddy left his sweetheart on the night of their engagement, he walked like a man in a dream. He crossed the road into Mill Lane, which ran parallel with the clog shop and led down to the mill, and thence on to Beck Bottom, where it joined the road to Clough End. Jimmy passed the mill without noticing it, and never heard the two or three owdoos that were addressed to him by passers-by. His head was bent, and he was muttering to himself. Presently he entered the field beyond the mill, and approached a clump of young trees in a corner at the side of the lane. Here he dropped upon his knees under the shadow of the trees, crying as he did so, Thas done it. Lord, it's nobry but thee, but it's like thee. Aye, it's like thee. I've waited twelve year, and I'll gav up hope long sin, but I see now, as it is good both to hope and to wait for the salvation of the Lord. Jimmy spent several minutes on this broken ejaculatory prayer, and then quietly picking up his cans and brushes, made for home. As he approached, new thoughts forced themselves upon him. What would his mother and sister think of these things? Since his disappointment twelve years ago, he'd given up all thought of marriage. And latterly he had come to regard his duty to his womankind as precluding it. The state of his mind was very clearly understood by both mother and daughter, and in their womanly inconsistency they began to evince a most anxious desire that he should take to himself a wife. But Jimmy was not deceived. He knew that the certainty they felt of his remaining a bachelor encouraged them in their banterings. But his heart told him this was only one of the little self-deceptions which do so much to sweeten life. He knew that the reality would be terrible. Moreover, though old Matty, his mother, was really healthier than either he or his sister, they had persuaded themselves that her heart was weak, and they had become fertile in inventing devices to prevent her ever being suddenly startled. This was an occasion, however, which taxed Jimmy's love-quick inventiveness to its utmost. He knew how difficult it was to conceal anything from them. One or other would find him out in no time, and they both boasted that they could read him like a book. It was no use, therefore, to attempt concealment, only he must break the news gently, for the old woman's sake. By this time he had reached their cottage, a little low house standing between the mill lane and the beck and having a garden in front that ran to a point at the bridge where the road crossed the beck. Hastily putting away his cans and brushes in the little workshop behind the house, and washing himself, he hurried in, and in his eagerness to get a hold in the conversation, lest he should be cornered, commenced at once. Well, I haven't finished after all, but... And then he broke off. Hey, mother, you do look bonny. You're getting younger. If I were a bit younger... I'd start a court in you. Bless thee, lad. There's ne'er done nowt else sin or knowed thee, was the reply. But this turn to tenderness did not suit Jimmy's purpose at all, so he sat down to his porridge, preparing to talk. Who's spending a lot of brass on yon house? he remarked. Hast ye heard yet? Who's going to have? asked Alice, who sat with a crutch by her side on the opposite side of the table. Jimmy's heart gave a great leap. Have he cried, "Who's having somebody that sartin? Everybody's getting married nowadays. I'll be going off myself some fine morning. 
jimmy had made so many threats of this kind to amuse his mother that both women smiled with a sweet sense that their mirth was safe and alice was encouraged to pursue the subject by receiving a gentle kick on her crutch from jimmy's foot under the table so she said in gentle raillery well dunna brag so mitch it's leap ye tha knows bah the mon it is exclaimed jimmy o ne'er thought o that was that to look at aw can see some on em'll happen ax me but the effort to keep excitement out of his speech was a little overdone and alice shot at him a glance of quick inquiry but his mother noticing nothing answered well there's plenty on em ud do that if they thowt there were any chance for em and the old woman's face beamed with a quiet pride in her son's popularity as she continued but there's none o em good enough for our jimmy now mother you'll make him more consated nor he is broke in alice but if any on em axed him he couldn't say no especially if we were out or in trouble jimmy bent his head over his porridge and gave another kick under the table as he answered in a shame sort of way well the annaxed me what oh cried both women at once jimmy took a long careful look at his mother and shook his head with a smile as he answered ay you'd like to know wouldn't you what is it who's an impudent jade whoever who is cried alice with sudden misgiving which brought fear into her face but jimmy was watching his mother how'd they bother jimmy she said with a quiet smile that nobbut gammin and jimmy felt like dropping through the floor as watching old matty's face very narrowly he answered with an assumption of nonchalance which was ridiculously overdone it's reet i've been axed this very day there was a dead silence both women turned pale the older one gripped the arms of her chair and alice stood up and leaned on her crutch at last the mother said almost under her breath why is it lad but jimmy was alarmed there was no reason that he could see why his words should have produced so sudden a change so he got up and fussily rearranged his mother's chair cushions as he answered in a tone of gaiety nay you mun guess neither woman had any heart to do this for though jimmy's words were innocent enough his manner justified the gravest conclusions to gratify him they began to select they guessed all the marriageable women they could think of eligible or ineligible but chiefly the latter no no jimmy cried with growing excitement at each guess well what can it be cried alice in perplexity the pain at her heart making her doubly impatient where hast ta been to-day oh, i've been nowhere but the fault a pale sickly light shot across old matty's face as she asked it's not beck becky o toms is it becky was the handsome strapping but somewhat aggressive maid-servant at the fold farm becky no and jimmy laughed and danced on the sanded floor with gleeful anticipation of the next question crying as he did so you're warm mother you're warm jimmy cried alice it's no but she stopped and took a long look at her brother's face and then she turned and hugged her mother and burst out in a great sob of relief as she cried it is mother it is it's nancy both these women knew of jimmy's old-time attachment to nancy and the look on his quiet face spoke so eloquently of the love that had never been really dead that they both felt glad for his sake 
but with a wistful dumb sort of gladness they sat on each side of the fire and made the painter sit down on his favourite low stool between them and tell them all about it as jimmy talked with glowing face and brightening eyes they laughed rather loud laughs for them laughs which had odd catches in them and which once or twice nearly ended in sobs whilst jimmy was looking up into either of their faces they smiled with hard forced but very passable smiles but if he turned to speak more particularly to one the one not addressed turned her face hastily and brushed away a tear jimmy talked much about the goodness of god and god moving in mysterious ways and they answered ay lad and then he talked about it always being darkest before the daylight and they smiled and nodded and said ay again but it almost choked them for a future without jimmy would be perpetual midnight at beckbottom the painter was so radiant so eloquent on the subject of nancy and so constantly blending all his utterances with ejaculations of praise to god that the women seemed for a time to catch his spirit and drank nancy's health with quite a respectable show of gladness in warm home-made elderberry wine which smelt strongly of cloves but somehow old matty tired sooner than usual that night and after conducting family prayers herself she rose to retire well good night lad eh who'd a thought o this when thou went out this morning but we don't know what a day nor an hour may bring forth good night and god bless thee when she had reached the top of the stairs however jimmy called to her and as she stood with one hand on the bedroom door latch while she held a candle in the other he told her about nancy saying she wanted mother and daughter more than she wanted the son and as jimmy laughed old matty laughed quite a demonstrative attempt for so quiet a person but when her bedroom door had been closed behind her the wreathed smile disappeared darkness and tears came into those old eyes and the face became white and woeful as she dropped heavily on her knees crying under her breath as she did so oh cannot do it lord oh cannot do it lord help me and then after a long pause thy will i dunnot mean it but i'll say it till i come mean it thy will be done beckside was amazed when the name of nancy's bridegroom became known as it did next day and for a time the verdict seemed doubtful the surprise was so complete as to be aggressive and awaken resentment and then everybody felt that it was so natural a thing to have come about that their never having thought of it was a reflection on their intelligence but this was only momentary very quickly the current set steadily in favour of the arrangement and in twenty-four hours jimmy and his bride were more popular than they had ever been in their lives the clog-shop cronies gave jimmy a wiggin for what they called his forciness and would perhaps have kept up a show of disapproval but that a better occupation was found for them on the second day after the engagement jabe happening to look up from his work at the click of nancy's garden gate saw that young lady and aunt judy with shawls over their heads making for the clog shop with serious business writ large on their faces jabez began judy as soon as they were inside assuming an attitude of uncompromising non-surrender and giving her brother his full name as she always did when very much in earnest oh want to know where this poor wench is for to be married 
this was said with slow and weighty deliberation and jabe lifting his head asked weir ay weir who was chastened at the chapel and who's been brought up at the chapel and who were born again at the chapel and o'er folks is buried at the chapel yard and o'er reckon who'll ha to go to a church two mile away where who's ne'er been in her life to be married and sarve her eat if who's soft enough to get married said jabe but though the words were rough the sound was not very dreadful what o want for to know is why who conna be married at the chapel demanded judy cause who conna why jabe chimed in nancy cause it's no licensed and why isn't it licensed what's trustees doing not to have it licensed all these years asked judy cause it'll cost a mitch how mitch will it cost asked nancy again but something had just entered jabe's head he sat straight up on his stool and looked directly through the window as if he were thinking rapidly presently he answered looking hard and musingly now at nancy bless thee wench or dunnot know but and here he leaped to his feet and smote his hard fist on the counter as he cried i'll tell thee what thou shalt be wed at the chapel if the licence costs twenty pound three days later jabe and long ben sat at the clog shop fire in their sunday best reporting to the assembled magnates the result of their excursion to duxbury the short of it was that the chapel was to be licensed forthwith and all would be in time for nancy's wedding the deputation big with the importance of their mission and contact with authority legal and ecclesiastical were unusually communicative the super had informed them that it was customary to present a bible and hymn-book to the first couple married in the chapel that was considered a most becoming idea and was enthusiastically adopted for the approaching occasion then long ben mentioned that the super said he thought the chapel ought to be cleaned and decorated and in a short time a scheme was sketched for the whitewashing painting and cleaning of the chapel by a band of volunteers superintended by ben himself then it was suggested that all the sunday school scholars should attend the ceremony the girls to be dressed in their white anniversary frocks but as the married men present hesitated to commit themselves before consultation with their home rulers this question was deferred when conversation began to flag and ben had glanced once or twice windowwards as if meditating departure sam speck who was the most juvenile member of the club was considered to have a somewhat dangerous inclination to novelties asked whether it was not customary to have music at weddings jabed ne'er yerd on it ben thought he had read about it i the papa and jethro the knocker-up gave it as his opinion that the only had music when royalty were married but sam stuck to his point calculating with cunning confidence that an opportunity for the band to display its talents would greatly tempt the members of that organization and he was right and easily carried the day but what sort of music was it to be sam had heard something about wedding marches but marches were worldly and nothing but sacred music could be played in the chapel lige the road-mender suggested his invariable selection for all times and all seasons there'll be no more sorrow there but as jabe vetoed that as inappropriate long ben named the hymn two are better far than one for counsel or for fight to the tune asylum but nobody supported the idea 
and at length jonas tatlock the leader of both band and chapel choir was sent for and by the time he had smoked two pipes at a furious rate arguing and demonstrating all the time he had convinced the company that the hallelujah chorus which they had been rehearsing intermittently for years was the correct thing and it was resolved to go into hard practice at once never a brighter day dawned than the one on which jimmy and nancy were to be married all nature smiled and human nature at any rate in beckside put on its very best the amateur painting committee had done its work and the chapel was resplendent and very redolent of whitewash and paint nancy's sunday school class in their white frocks and carrying poses occupied the front pew the band had taken possession of the singing pew in the left-hand corner and overflowed into the adjoining pews as on salmon days the villagers even including job sharpies had packed every available inch of space the gallery being reserved for the children the registrar was in the vestry and the super was walking about in the aisles exchanging greetings with his people presently the vestry door opened and the registrar beckoned the minister arrived in the little sanctum the super found an old woman with a black poke bonnet and a face almost as white as the frill in her bonnet front good morning mrs crawshaw this is a happy day for you said the minister happy my heart's welly broken but he's been a good lad and i've come to give him away to give him away mrs crawshaw ay i've nought else to give her but it's the lady who's given away you know not the gentleman but just then there was a commotion in the chapel the bridal party was coming there were no cabs in beckside and even the very respectable thought it no dishonour to walk to their wedding and at that moment the weddingers were coming arm in arm up the hill and the front of the somewhat long procession had reached the chapel door the minister hastened to his place within the communion rail and amid a buzz of excitement the party walked up the aisle jimmy with a huge blush rose in his coat looked warm but quiet and radiantly happy nancy flushed and proud as any duchess glanced around as she reached the communion rail as if in search of something but the minister was commencing so she had to give attention to the business in hand when they had got about halfway through the service and the happy couple stood with clasped hands there was an interruption the vestry door opened and jimmy's mother calling out wait a minute hobbled to the front and placing her hands on the heads of the bride and bridegroom cried out god bless thee lad may thy childer be as good to thee as thou has been to me god bless thee nancy god's gien thee a good heart and a bonny face and thy feyther's gien thee the farm but aw'm givin thee or as aw have god bless you both there was a perfect chorus of quavering amens accompanied by a display of handkerchiefs and a wiping of eyes for this staid still old woman who during a lifetime had never spoken in chapel before not even at those great beckside institutions the love feasts had touched a chord in every heart then the service was finished and the super in a neat speech presented the bible and hymn-book to the happy pair after which the people clapped and the boys in the gallery set up a thunderous stamping then the bridal party adjourned to the vestry to sign the register during which there was such a tuning of instruments and resining of fiddle-bows 
as was not heard even at the anniversary in beckside jonas tatlock mounted on a high stool at one corner of the singing pew watched the vestry door as for dear life and as it opened he cried excitedly now nah, lads brass that one two three four and they did brass that handel's grand chorus probably never received so entirely original a rendering and it certainly was never produced with more whole-hearted earnestness and meaning than by the perspiring but joyful beckside band End of chapter 4